let's go to 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. I've been sharing this series, Altered, and beginning last week, I, I wanted us to look at a very key area, uh, some terminology and verbiage that may be a little foreign to us, but are such a powerful illustration of how God looks at the church. We need to understand, what does God think about us? What are God's plans for His church? When I say church, I'm not talking about the pastor or the building. I'm talking about everybody that's the church. The church is the people. Look at somebody and say, you're the church. Come on, tell them that. You could Tell them, you're the church. You're the church. And there, are, there is an, a critical and amazing perspective that we really need to get our arms around to understand how God wants to use and bless our life. So let's look at 1 Peter 2, 9. We read this last week. Let me just read this first verse, and then we're going to go to some brand new information. Verse 9 says, but you are a, look at these, look at these titles, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's quite unique, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may Declare, or one translation says, when we think of declare, we usually just think of our mouth. One translation says that you may show forth. That kind of helps us see it's not only our words, it's our lifestyle. That, so we're all these things, what? A chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, belonging to God, not just for the title's sake. Why? So that we may declare or show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So an amazing thing we see there. We, we see this concept of uh, what I want to focus on, we began to look at last week, was this thing of the priesthood of the New Testament. It's, it's, it's different than the Old Testament, the priesthood of the New Testament. The Old Testament priesthood was just a shadow. It was not the reality, but the shadow of the real that was coming, of God's ultimate plan. We know in the Old Testament there was a priesthood, and it was quite limited only to the tribe of Levi. Your heritage determined if you could become a priest. Now, listen to this. It's not your heritage God's looking at. It's your heart that God's looking at. Can you say amen to that? See, God said early on to David, he said, what did the prophet say? He says, man looks on the outer things. God looks at the heart. So it's not my heritage, it's my heart. So it's not limited to a particular family strength. Also, it was, it was limited by gender. Only males could serve in the priesthood. But see, that was just a shadow. How do you make a shadow? Well, if I was to make a shadow of this phone, first I have a light behind it, right? There's a light here, and there's an object, and as the light shines on it, on this side is a shadow. Well, here's what happens. Here's the light of God's Word of what God wants to say, and here's New Testament truth. Let's say the cross. Here's the cross, and the light of God is shining on that cross. And on this side is just the shadow of the cross. You know what that altar is? In the Old Testament, the altar is just a shadow of the cross. It was just letting us know something greater is coming. So when we go to the altar in the New Testament, it's not just a piece of furniture. It's not just the front of an auditorium. It's not just a ritual for a few people. In the New Testament, the altar is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we call this series Altered, Changed, Transformed. How many are thankful that at the cross He paid for your sins? You're thankful that your sins are forgiven? Absolutely, I am. How many ever sinned? There are some perfect people here. I'm going to give you one more chance. Because you're in church, 
and you got a lying habit. So I'm going to help you break it right now, okay? So how, how, many, how many have ever sinned? Come on, let me look around. That's what I thought. So we're all thankful. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgave my sins, that you died in my place and forgave me. But you know, that's not all the cross the altar does for us because not only are my sins forgiven, get this, Jesus comes to live in our life. In the Old Testament, they had an altar and they gave animal sacrifices and their sins were covered, listen, but never forgiven, just covered. And nothing ever changed them on the inside. All they had was a law to do what it said, and that was it. Listen, in the New Testament, we don't have the shadow of the cross. We have the reality. And not only are our sins forgiven, not covered, but done away with, do you know that when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, he never will bring that up against you again? Do you know it's gone in the eyes of God? Do you know if it, was, if it was written down in heaven, it's erased and it's off your record? How many are thankful for that? I mean, it's like you're the worst criminal on the planet. You committed every crime that be, could be committed, and you're going to the judge to be sentenced. You're like, man, I am done. I'm going to prison for the next eight lifetimes. And you walk up before the judge, and he pulls out your record, and he looks at you and says, why are you here? There's nothing on your record. Why are you in court? Why are you standing in front of me? There's nothing for me to condemn you for. You have no penalty. Your slate is clean. I can't see you did anything. Jesus wiped it clean, forgave us of our sin. But that's not even the best part. You see, in this New Testament, where we're not just having a shadow of an altar, but the cross, he came to live inside of us after that. And now God, by his Spirit, lives in our lives. So now it's not just the same old person we were, but now we're forgiven. The Bible says you're a new creation. Something different has happened in your life. You've been altered and transformed by the cross. So we, don't, we not only have forgiveness, we have transformation. We're altered. Listen, I know that for, for some of you may struggle because I'm going to tell you straight up, I am not politically correct. I am politically incorrect most of the time. Does that give you heartburn? Does that scare you? Pastor, what do you mean? Well, here's the problem. I, I've been watching this thing. So it's really cool, you know, trendy. I'm politically correct. I use the right verbiage. You know, I just flow with everybody and I line up and, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. And, you know, we're just all kind of all cool and squishy and mushy. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, so, but here's the problem being politically correct. The next time there's a new president, now it's all different what's politically correct. So if you're politically correct, you've got to change your correctness every four years, maybe eight. So I made a decision not long ago that I'm going to stop trying to be politically correct, and I decided I want to be biblically correct because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you want to be politically correct, I still love you, but I'm going to be biblically correct. And if politics disagrees with the Bible, I'm going to stick with the Bible. If culture disagrees with the Bible, I'm going to stick with the Bible. Because here's the deal. You have to understand, we have been transformed by the cross of Jesus. Not only forgiven, but you're not who you were. You're not bound. When we sang this morning, there's freedom. Freedom means I'm not who I was. Now, see, to be politically correct, here's where we get in the argument. People say, well, you know, Pastor, look, man, you know, I, I, I can't help the way I am because I was born that way. So let me jump right on it and, and, and hit, the, hit the words you're not supposed to say. I'm not just talking about homosexuality. I'm not just talking about transgenderism. I'm telling you that, that uh, people always say, well, you know, I, I was born that way. 
I, I, I disagree with that, but okay, let, you, you, if it's what you want to believe. You, but let's not just hang our hat on those two things. There's a lot of things people say nowadays in our culture. You know, I am who I am. I do what I do. I, my life is this. I have no control over it. So the argument is, I'm born this way. There's nothing I can do about it. So here's what I say. I don't want to argue with you about how you're born. You could just, we'll disagree about that, all right? But okay, listen, if you disagree with me, I'm going to love you anyway. Thank you for five people over here. I'm going to try it over on this side and give you one more time. Do you know you can disagree with people and still love each other? Okay. So here's the deal. I'm going to stop arguing with you about how you were born. And this is what I want to tell you, but I know how you were born again. <laughs> See, we can argue forever about how you're born. But if you're born again, that Bible tells me exactly who you are. You're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You once were lost, but now you're found. You once were bound, but now you're free. You once were locked up. See, listen, I don't mean to be ugly, but you may have been born crazy. But when you're born again, you get the mind of Christ. When you're born again, your life begins to change. See, I'm not talking about a shadow. I'm talking about the altar, the cross of Jesus that changes life. So everybody got me here. So we're altered. We're people who are transformed because we encounter Jesus and, and what he did for us on the cross. And it not only wiped away our sins and gave us a brand new start, made us a new creation. The Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And the good news is, whatever had you bound and messed up and confused and trapped, the good news is you can be free in the name of Jesus. If you want to say you were born an alcoholic, okay. But you weren't born again an alcoholic. See, if you want to say, I was born whatever, hating and prejudice and bitter. You weren't born again that way. Does everybody get what I'm saying? That's the gospel. That's the power of the cross. That's why I'm unashamed to say we are altered people because Jesus changes our life. So we're altered. We're not who we were. So why did God do all that? Christianity is not a one-time introduction. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of the altar. And what does that mean and what does that look like for us? Well, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are literally a royal priesthood, a kingly priest. One translation says a kingdom of priests. Well, you may have never thought of yourself as a priest. Welcome to the ministry. <laughs> Everybody put their hand up. I now ordain you. Put it up. Don't look at me that way. Put it up. I now ordain you in the priestly ministry of the body of Christ. I declare you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, and the devil lost, and you'll never be the same. And hell better watch out because now you know who you are, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, that's where you are. <laughs> so what does that look like when we leave here? Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Let's look at this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. So what does that look like? Is that just Sunday morning, exciting talk? And you know, No, no, no. Listen, if what we're learning doesn't work when you go to work tomorrow, if what we're learning here doesn't work when you go to school tomorrow, then I'm wasting your time and my time. I'm not going to answer questions no one's asking. I'm not going to give you information that has no impact on the rest of your life. So this has to work for us 24-7 or it's not authentic. So what is this royal priesthood? look like in our lives all of us are involved in this okay revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 we read this and from jesus christ are you with me there 
who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. You ready? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. And what we just talked about, we've been transformed. He loved us. He didn't condemn us. God's not mad at you. Can somebody say amen to that? God's not against you. God's for you. And he's not trying to ruin your life and cramp your style. He's trying to free you from the things that are wrecking your life. Who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood, the cross, the altar. Keep reading. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. So it's not just a one verse thing. God's made us to be. It's what God's doing to be what? A, what are we reading? A kingdom and priest. One translation says a kingdom of priests. So what does that look like in our everyday life? A kingdom of priests. It all starts at the altar with the cross. and Our lives are changed. We in a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not just a Sunday thing or an event. It's a lifestyle. But there are two things here, he says, a kingdom and priest. Now, when you talk about kingdoms and kings, you need to get this concept because this is all of us, not just pastors and, 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 and people with titles. It's the church is a kingdom of priests. Kingdom is very clear. We begin to think about, listen to these words, authority, the right to delegate and exert power, authority. See, Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. The very first thing he's told us to ask is, as you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when you pray, you're recognizing God's your source. You worship him, hallowed be your name. Before you ask him for anything, you begin to you thank him and praise him. Everybody with me? That's prayer. And then the first thing you say is, all right, Father, I recognize you're my Father. You're my God, you're my King, my Sovereign, my Lord, and I praise you for that. I know who you are. I, I have relationship. I have things to praise you for. I haven't just heard about you. I know you. And so this is what you've asked me to do, to pray and believe this. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as a kingdom of priests under the King of Kings, we are to literally be his vehicle, listen to me, by which and through which his will in heaven becomes his will on earth. We literally have been authorized, anointed, chosen, selected, fashioned so that through his church, everyone here, what he wills to happen will become reality. We literally represent him. You're given authority when you pray in the name of Jesus because he's your Savior and Lord. When you say his name, pray his name, understand who he is, all of heaven backs you and all of hell fears you. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. You're not just somebody who rolls into church on Sunday and you're the same person you were. You're in a kingdom now. You are a king under the king, you have authority, and the power of God operates out of your life. Everybody with me here? This isn't just for a few people. It's for everyone. It's for the little grandmother who can barely whisper. You know, it's, listen, I learned a long time ago, it's not how loud you pray, it's who you understand you're praying to. I don't have to shout to get the devil's attention. I use the name of Jesus. Hell stands still, and heaven is listening. You understand that? King. But then he says... You're a kingdom of what? Priests. Now, priests 
were those who knew the altar. They are those who served in the tabernacle and temple. They were those close to the presence of God. They knew his presence, familiar with his presence. They, they were men and men uh, in that day of the presence. We are people of his presence. So what do we say? The king with authority and power and anointing in your life, what do, what do we understand? That authority and power, listen very closely, is always to operate in connection with the priestly part of your life. The power and the authority of the kingdom is not for your benefit or for my benefit. It's not to pump us up. It's not to promote us. It's to flow through our life so men and women can find Jesus. It's to serve. It's to love. It's to be kind. So if I am with the altar, if I am in the presence of God, if I'm honoring him, the kingdom flows through the life of the priest. What does that look like? Let's look at Acts 10, 38. What is kingdom work? Watch this. Watch, watch, watch. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and what? Come on, coach, right here. Stay with me. And what happened after he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit? What did he do? He, he went around doing what? Good. All right. If I put a period there and just said went around doing good, that's not kingdom and priest stuff. I've told you this several times lately. An atheist can do good. And, and if they do good, 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 good. For every good act, good. You understand that? An atheist can do good. An atheist could be nice. An atheist could, could buy somebody a meal. You understand? Anybody can do good that chooses to. And if they do good, good, good. We need more good, amen? But there's not a period there. Because what happens here, he says, and this separates the kingdom of priests, and the rest of this culture we live in today. Are you with me here? So he says, and they did what? Healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So as Jesus was in his earthly body, anointed by his Father, everything could be put into categories. He went around doing good and he went around healing those under the power of the devil because he was anointed and God was with him. So that's what he did while he was on the earth during those 33 years, primarily the last three, as he had a physical body. Now he's ascended back to heaven. And, and, and where is the body of Christ today? The church, the kingdom of priests. So it is fair to read this this way. It is a proper exegesis of Scripture. It's not making a point at the expense of Scripture. We can read it this way. You ready? Now, how God anointed His church with what? The Holy Spirit and power. And how the church went around doing good. And didn't you say His pastors? Are you with me? The kingdom of priests, all of us, Went around healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit that's greater than the power of the devil. Does the devil still have power? Yes. You ha- of course he does. Does everybody understand the devil still has power? But what's greater than power? I've taught you. What's greater than power? Authority. The right to use the power of God. And the only thing that will ever stop the power of the devil are men and women anointed and appointed to use the power of God. So the church goes under the power of God and we heal those under the power of the devil. Why? Because God is with us. So that's what that looks like. Is everybody with me? A kingdom 
of men and women chosen, royal priesthood, authority under God to walk and serve him and love people because God is with us, kings. But if we stop being priests, if we drift from the presence of God, if we are not lined up under the authority of God, then we have no right to use the power and presence of God. Kings and priests, a kingdom of priests. That's who we are. It's an amazing concept. It's amazing. Watch this. This is amazing. Let me just keep moving and give you a verse, and you can, you can reference this later. Hebrews 7.25 says right now, listen, the present ministry of Jesus. What is Jesus doing now? He came. He, you know, of course, he's been from the beginning. The Bible says in John 1, he's with the Father. Everything that was created, he created. He's eternal. He's God. But for 33 years, he came to this earth in human flesh, born of a virgin, died on the cross in our place three days later, raised from the dead 40 days later, ascended back to heaven. The Holy Spirit came to empower the church. So what is he doing in heaven right now while we're his body on earth doing Acts 10, 38? The Bible says in Hebrews 7, 25, he ever lives to intercede for us. Did you know you have an advocate, an intercessor, one standing before the throne of the God of the universe on your behalf. Is that pretty amazing? So even the ministry of Jesus right now is a priestly ministry. But I want you to get this about priests. Listen closely. Jesus was the sacrifice for his own priestly ministry. He shed his own blood on the cross so he could go to the Father. Do you know that one of the things priests always do is that they lay sacrifices on the altar. As they came close to the presence of God, they didn't come empty-handed. They always came and laid something before the Father. They put a sacrifice of value on the altar so they could draw close to the presence of God. That was the pattern. Jesus himself did that. So, guys, listen. What would be our sacrifices? What do we bring as we draw in the presence of God? What do we do in this New Testament when there's not this kind of altar but the cross and the presence of God? How do we bring something? What's valuable to us that we bring in the presence of God? Listen, we, we've got to understand we need some paradigm shifts. We, we, we are trapped in a poverty mentality in the church today. So, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let me, let me explain it like this. No, See, if we're going to bring something on the altar... If we're going to come in the presence of God and come closer, what are our sacrifices? They should have value, right? Shouldn't you give him something of value? You agree with me? Okay, we're, we, we're value. So what is it? What is that? It's not animals and lambs and goats and sheep and bulls. What is it? Well, let, let me show you something about bringing something of value to God. Our missionaries I've talked to over the years, and this happened more in, in days gone by, but, you know, uh, one of the things that churches sometimes do, they would get together and, and they would... They would uh, send supplies to the missionaries. And they, so they would have a big barrel, you know, and people would bring clothes and put it in. And we want to send these to the missionaries. I'm, I'm going to, I got to be real blunt with you. Can I, can I just, t- big, big boys and big girl stuff? I mean, if this little, little baby is just not, it's not, it's not going to like me for the next few minutes, all right? If you don't want to hear anything but blah, blah, put your earbuds back in, all right? So, the church gathers supplies, puts them in a barrel, ships them to the missionary. When the missionary opens the barrel up, it's a bunch of rags. A bunch of rags. Well, you know, well, I got a hole here and a hole there. Wore the seat of these things out. I wore them so much. I, I could throw them away. Well, let's give them to the missionary. 
Let me see. Let me think here. I'm supposed to give something of value to God. You know, let me, let me think. I think God should be first place, not the last place before the trash can. Don't look at me funny right now. Okay. I, I was down with Pastor Bill Hines in, in uh, the foundry in, in Bessemer, amazing ministry, and he's our mentor for our recovery ministries. And, and they got a great thing they, they have to underwrite. You know that the, the ministry there has grown so big, you, you, you think about what we're, what we're trying to do. You know they have so many hundred people, hundreds in their recovery ministry in Bessemer that their budget is $7 million a year. And they do not charge the people that stay there a year anything but one introductory fee. $7 million. So they have thrift stores and all things, and they have a car lot. Watch this. So, so people donate cars, and, and then they sell them and put the money in the ministry. So I said, man, Pastor Bill, it's amazing. And I went, I said, let me see the car lot. I looked at the car lot. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was looking at all these cars are given and they're selling. And I said, okay. And I was walking off, and all of a sudden I thought, you know, Every one of those cars is a hoopty car. I'm talking bad hoopty car. I mean, there's no tread left on the tires. Got the steel wall showing through. Seats torn up. Got to have a NASCAR mechanic to start the thing. Quiet in here, isn't it? Well, I can't drive that dog anymore. I need to get it out of the yard. Let's give it to God. So we come to the altar. Oh, God, I want to give you a gift, God. My trash and junk. I just want you to know I love you, Jesus. You know, when did Jesus start driving the garbage truck? When did he become the trash man? When did the altar become my garbage can? When did the altar become where I throw something away when I don't want it anymore? It's quiet in the house today. Somebody check the sign out there. Is this Calvary? I think I'm somewhere else today. I must have got mixed up today when I went to church. Man. So the altar is where there's some value given to God. So what is value? What are you saying, Pastor? Are you buy a new car? I don't care about your car, your money. That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about what is there in my life that has value that I could put on this altar as a sacrifice that would allow me more access to the presence of God. Everybody with me? So maybe what I'm understanding here, let's look at this. Well, what would that be? What's valuable to me? Listen, in regard to God. Well, maybe what's valuable to me is what I love more than Him. That's valuable. Maybe what I, what, what, what's valuable to me is what I put before Him. That's the sacrifice that ought to go on this altar. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let's get plain. Well, why don't we pray more? I, I was going to pray last night, but I, I spent three hours on Facebook. Don't look at me like that. There's nothing wrong with Facebook. It's what I do with Facebook. Nothing wrong with your phone. It's what you do with your phone. Well, I was going to pray, but... But, but well, 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 maybe I'll do some of that. Well, I, I don't know who my friends are. I, 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 I can't get it. No, no, no. And then we got to do counseling for people who got unfriended or defriended or befriended. or <laughs> Pastor Sawyer, <laughs> oh, 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 it's been a hard week. 
Oh, I can't make it. I'm thinking about, I'm going to end it all. What happened? What happened? Did somebody, somebody die in your family? No. Two people defriended me. <laughs> really? 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 And that rocked your boat. Maybe God may have been cleaning out your garage so you can get some more Jesus in there. You know, maybe, maybe that was a gift. I know it's quiet. I know you came to be happy. I'm trying to make you happy, but I want to help you along the way. And see, so what happens is that I'm going to take things, you know, that, that are getting in my way, that, 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 that I'm putting before him. And so that must be very valuable because if it's between me and God, it's, it's bigger than God to me. Everybody, do you understand what I'm saying? It must be really important because if it's keeping me from loving him and following him, serving him, it must be huge. It, it, it's, it's a God. It's an idol. And maybe if I would gather these things together that are getting between me and God and put that on the altar, maybe then I have greater access and freedom and presence and joy joy and peace and maybe then I get up from that altar and I walk under the authority of a king in the kingdom of God and let me tell you something hell has no answer for a woman or a man who rises up from the presence of God and walks under the authority of the kingdom there is no answer in hell for a man or woman who is a royal priest he just doesn't have anything to even touch you as you begin to walk in those places, a royal priesthood. That's who we are. It's just, it's literally amazing. Remember we said we were carriers of his presence and, and we are custodians or protectors of the presence of God. But listen to me, we are worshipers. They were worshipers. You got to get this. In, in, in under, the, under the shadow of that which is fulfilled, the priesthood, every person that sang in worship were priests. All the singers, all the choir, all the singers were priests. All the musicians were priests. Hey, get this. The people that carried the articles of the temple, the porters, the words used, or the ushers. Listen, the ushers were priests. Do you know there's nothing we do for God that's not part of this priestly ministry we have? See, the pastor may bring the presence of God in by what he says, but the usher brings the presence of God in by what he or she does. Priestly ministry, worshipers, the priests, the singers, the musicians, the ushers, the greeters, the teacher. Do you know, we'll read the scripture. It says in one place, uh, there as, the, as we're looking at that priesthood, that the judges were priests. Can you imagine? Can you begin to imagine if every judge in this nation was a woman or man of God? Can you imagine the righteous blessing to rest upon this nation with priestly judges? Worship, worship. It, 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 it follows. Do you know, let, let me show you something. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Colossians 3 says that when you go to work, are you with me? We're not talking about in this room. We're talking about our life. Listen to me. When I go to work, I work as unto the Lord because I'm not serving man. I'm serving God. Then, do you know, the Bible says when we come together, I would all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. 
without wrath or doubting. Do you know there's something about recognizing, watch me, watch me, watch me. My physical body is the vehicle through which the spirit in me is released to the world around me. So you get it with words. What, what would happen? What if I came in here today and had my message and I prayed, prepared, studied and spent time with God and I, I had a word from the Lord and I came in here and I stood up and I said, okay, like I did, let's just back up. I've said First Peter, okay, read First Peter 2, 9 and it opened and then I've done this for the last 30 minutes. What would you say? Well, that was a blessing. I mean, I know what you'd say. Has he ever done that before? There's something wrong with Pastor Sawyer. Has he been to the doctor? Does he need to go to the doctor? I'm not going back to that place again. I'll tell you one thing. That's weird. He just stood up there and looked at us. Why? Because what was in my spirit wasn't shared with you through my words. So what I knew and what I believe and what I understand, unless it has a physical expression, it doesn't release the kingdom of God. And we get it with words, but it's not just your words, it's your hands. God said, your hands matter. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. What work is unto the Lord. Do you know that when you go to work, when you go to school, when you do it as unto God, you're worshiping. You're worshiping. Is that amazing? Do you know that when I lift my hands, it works me? See, sometimes I may come in here and I say, I don't want to raise my hands. So what? He didn't want to raise his hands to do that on the cross either. Huh? Well, it's not comfortable. I don't think he was comfortable. I don't think when they nailed the spike, and he goes, ooh, do it again. I don't think when they pounded the right hand, he goes, well, I hope they do the left hand. I think he did it because he loved you. I think he did it because he said, I've got to express this sacrifice. I think he did it because he said, I'm going to honor the Father's will in my life. And so there's sometimes, if we don't have a physical expression of what's going on inside of us, it doesn't release out in the kingdom. And people want to underestimate that as no. So the Bible says, I lift my hand, I sing, I shout, I kneel, I dance, I lay prostrate before God. There are ways physically that we worship. And here's what I want you to see. These men and women that are up here leading us in worship, what would you do if you drove up and they were all huddled out here in the back? And they were cursing and fighting and, and, and drinking and knocking down, you know, hitting, chasing them down and knocking it out and toking and smoking. And, and, and you were like, my God. And, and you walk up and they're up here on the platform and, and you'd be going, I'm not coming back to that church. Tell you one thing, these people up there leading worship, acting like that, bunch of hypocrites, I'm not coming. Let me show you something. There's no hidden barrier right here. Look. There's no force field. It's not Star Wars. You understand? Nothing happened. See that? Look at this. Look at this. So if that's what you want from them, and there's no division, and we're all in the priesthood, then we all ought to be worshiping him like that. See, see, I, I don't want to look up there and see it. Well, well guess what? I don't want to look down here and see it. Don't shout me down. See, because I can sit right here and worship just as well as I can up there. Because that's not the worshipers. We're the worshipers. Everybody here. See, does it make you nervous that I'm now walking down here and, and doing it because he's supposed to be up there? I'm not supposed to be up there. I'm just supposed to be here. I'm just supposed to be here. I'm just supposed to be here. I can sit back here with Miss Nancy and just have a good old time. I can worship on this row or that row or this row. See, I see you. I see you. I can worship here. Come on, give me five. That's good. We can worship. We can worship right here, right here, anywhere we want to go. I can sit down over here. I can sit down and preach over here if I want to. There's no magic. 
Do you understand that? We're worshipers. We're the priesthood. It's wherever we go. It's whatever God wants us to do. And what I want you to see is that God's hands on your life. You're a royal priesthood. You're a king. And when you are a person that understands the presence of God, worship is part of your life. It's worshipers. See, you know, we could come up here, and I'm going to close with this. I, I could come up here, and, and, and what if we said, okay, I could go out if we had the money, and, 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 and let's go to Hollywood or New York City, and we could hire the greatest professor musicians that are in the country if we had the money to do that. But you know what I would be training you to do? If this person standing up here doesn't have a prayer life, isn't a royal priest, I don't need them up on this place. See, if this person over here playing this instrument or that instrument or, or, or in that drum case, if they don't know. See, all I'm training you is how to respond to music instead of the presence. And then we don't understand the sound of the kingdom. Do you understand? So, so this isn't entertainment. This is the royal priesthood seeking the face of God. Learning that this altar is not a piece of furniture, it's my lifestyle. Learning that as I bring my sacrifice, God, what would keep me from more of you? I'm going to give that to you today. I'm going to place that there. Listen, not because I have to, and not because I'm afraid, and not because the pastors made me shame, but because I want more of God. Because I'm hungry for His presence. Because I want to go around doing good. Because I want to heal those who are under the power of the devil. Because I want to be the church. I, 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 I want to have a royal anointing that flows out of my altar in the presence of God. Stand with me, please. And musicians, would you come? Priests, come to the platform and priests stand up there. All right, come on. It changes the way we look at ourselves. It changes how we understand how I go to work, how I go to school. What I do when I come to this place. I'm a worshiper. I'm a priest. You, you, you can't have worship without a priesthood. Without a priesthood, you can't have worship. Without worship, you can't have a priesthood. See, you and I are worshipers. There are going to be times where we begin to say, you know, maybe, maybe as time goes on, uh, we, we have to say, you know, God, what's valuable to me? You know what's valuable to us? I've shared this with you. I remember as a young man, man, I had a crazy beginning in my spiritual journey. I was already in college when I got saved. I was a prodigal. I was running from God. That's a biblical term maybe you don't understand. I was, I was away from God, far away from God. And in college, God mercifully saved me. I'm so thankful to this day. Saved me and altered me. And I walked into the little church that I said I would never be a part of. And God ambushed me. I'm so thankful. The Holy Spirit snuck up on me. And I walked in a center and I walked out a child of God. And I wasn't perfect, but I'm going to tell you, I was different. So (laughs) I got saved on a Friday night. And the next week, I was to start the next semester in college. Even at that point, I thought, that's probably not smart for me to go back there, being a Christian four or five days. So I had two cousins at a Christian college in Texas. So in a matter of days, I left that school, my scholarships, and transferred to this other college. Man, I was raw as a Christian. Everybody else in this college, 
90% of the male students were in Bible college. They were preaching. I didn't know the books of the Bible. But I was a, I was a duck out of water. And I remember the first week I was there, we had our dorm devotion. But I'd never seen that in college. So I got out in the hall. We're praying everything. I was like, this is cool. I'm a Christian. It's cool. That's good. I like this. And, and back in that day, it was the first some things really going on. People really starting to do some different kind of worship from hymn books and things. And there's this little chorus they sang. And I got to tell you, it weirded me out. Because they like to do hand motion. And I kind of thought about that as children's church. And they sang this song, His banner over me is love. And I'm looking at these dudes, college guys. And they're singing this song. They're going, His banner over me is love. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I love Jesus. But I don't know about that. Because, you know, you're young and 20 and you know how that goes. I'm bad. I'm tough. So I'm watching these guys. They're doing his banner. Then they get to the next verse. It's even creepier. I've been drinking from the living waters. They do that. That's the water. I'm like, I'm going back in my room. Holy Spirit said, so how, what do you think about this? I said, man, it's crazy. He says, you look like you're the only person having a hard time. Got that right. Said, you got that right. You got me. He said, So why won't you do it? I said, Well, because it may look weird. That's why I'm not going to do it. God's always just kind of talked to me plain. And that's the way I talked to him. I said, They're weird, man. I'm not going to be weird. So I stood there a little longer and I realized they're not weird. I'm afraid. My ego doesn't want to surrender. I don't want to get to that altar in this lesson George is more of God if I get myself in a humble position then it's not me anymore it's going to be him it seems hard to let go in it come on men you know what I'm talking about hard to let go we got to be in charge we got to be strong and tough we got to be cool and slick I said but that's pretty vulnerable I don't know if I'm going to go there God but finally I said alright alright boy I didn't look happy but I didn't I did the, and I wouldn't look at anybody else. I'm like, man, I don't even know these dudes. I just got here. But God began to do something in my heart. I began to recognize that worship isn't about George Sawyer. Worship is about my God. And if I can't do this for the one that did that, and I'm not much of a man. If I can't say I love you for the one who said I love you like this, I'm not much of a man. And if I'm going to tell him how my life is supposed to work, then why did I go to the cross in the first place? And if I'm going to advise God, then why do I need a cross? So I had to come to the end of me. And when I did, I came to the beginning of him. He began to walk me through. Today, I don't want to embarrass you. Today, I don't care. I don't watch. I don't keep a record who raised their hands, who did, who clapped. I'm too busy worshiping him to be the worship hall monitor I refuse to be that but here's what I want to say to you my goal is not to embarrass you my goal is to speak to the best inside of you to say who you really are 
to wake you up that you're a kingly priest. That there's nothing in this world you'll ever do that comes close to that. You'll never be stronger, wiser, smarter, braver, more courageous than to say, God, I'll lay my ego, I'll lay my pride, I'll lay my fear, I'll lay my prejudice, I'll lay all the things that I put before you, I'll lay them here because you mean more to me than anything else in this world. And until he's first, he'll never be Lord in your life. And there have been days I made him first and some days I walked off from that. Anybody with me? We're going to get real, real and raw and I had to get back over here. I've never been disappointed coming to the altar. I've been disappointed walking away from it, holding on to things that messed me up. But I've never regretted the sacrifices that I put here. So today, in Jesus' name, I say from that wall to that wall, and from this wall to that wall, this is an altar. This is an altar. This room is an altar. You're standing at the altar. You're in the presence of God. Is there something that you've loved more than him? Is there something that you put before him? Would you give it to him today? I don't want to know it. It's you and him. It's your altar. I don't have to know it. Would you just say, God, I want to be that kingly priest. I want to be a woman of your presence, a man of your presence. Listen, you've not gone too far. You haven't fallen too hard. No matter who rejected you, your friends that disappointed you, I've never been disappointed at the cross. I've never been let down by God. I've never regretted being real and vulnerable with Him. And I'm going to challenge you today to step into a place that's going to draw the greatest courage and boldness and strength you've ever had and say, I'm going to put some things here that I've put before you and watch God step in.